98% of businesses, this is obviously not a data-driven fact. This is an observation, <laughs> a guess. Hyper, hyperbole is the magic word you're looking for. I like that you included an exact percentage and then said, this is not a data-driven fact. This is, this is not true. But I'm guessing, right, 98% of businesses on the planet overall Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bad Voltage, Season 3, Episode 56. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm joined by Jonathan James Edward Bacon III and uh, <laughs> Stuart Stewie Sill Ian Aquarius Langridge. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining. If, if you can't think of something creative, say actual names. I like your, <laughs> I like your strategy here, Jeremy. I mean, it works. It's the can't opposite. Complain. There you go. Just, so, just, you know. so, what would you chaps like to talk about today? So, one thing that we haven't done in a while now, uncharacteristically, is get a little newsy. So, I have yes. one one topic that we had discussed very briefly on one of the previous shows that I thought we could start with and kick it off with news a palooza from there. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. All out. So, recently, hot on the heels of Twitter Blue going up and down and left and right spectacularly, Facebook announced what they're calling Meta Verified. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a subscription service that lets you verify your account with the government ID, get a blue badge, get extra impersonation protection against accounts claiming to be you, and get direct access to customer support. Uh, they're charging $11.99 if you subscribe, not via an app store, $14.99 if you subscribe during an app store. It's only rolling out in Australia and New Zealand for now, which is pretty common for, for tech companies to roll it out in not US, but English-speaking companies. So two broad questions I had when looking at this was, given, you know, there's other examples of this, obviously, beyond Twitter with Reddit doing something, and I think Snapchat also has something as well. Mm. Uh, what do you think of the meta, or Facebook, whatever we want to call them, announcement in general? But two, and I think the more interesting question is, more broadly, do you think the pay-for-verification is going to become pervasive in social media? Interesting. So I got I've got a couple of thoughts. Um I don't have I don't have much in the way of thoughts about um meta verified on the grounds that I am not a Facebook user and with the notable exception of selling a sofa, I've barely used it for ten years. So obviously I went and I, I read about it when it happened and uh looking up stuff for the show. But I have no real sense of how this will change the the meta experience, if that doesn't, yeah, sound, the too, experience, if that yeah. doesn't sound too philosophical, because I don't really understand what the experience is like now. The last time I used Facebook, it was very different to how it is now. Um, I think, honestly, man, the experience is probably pretty much about the same as oh, when you yeah. last used it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're selling sofas. Like, I mean, yeah. I will buy that. Um, but having looked at the uh, the bigger picture of lots of different people doing this, as, as you mentioned, um, the idea of having a premium option to your service is increasingly common um and i think logical right 
Um, but to me, it's interesting that it doesn't look like they're getting a great deal of sign up, but certainly not by comparison with the numbers of users these services have other than that. Snapchat, yeah. Snapchat Plus, which is the name of that extra Snapchat thing, has 2 million subscribers. Twitter Blue has about 300,000. Reddit Premium is about 400,000. Meta obviously haven't got any because they only started five seconds ago. Um, but. I mean, sure, if I had a service which had 300,000 paying customers, straight down the pub. Very pleased with that. But I am yeah. I am not meta. This seems yeah. like it doesn't feel like a lot of people are getting into it. I mean, if you look at Reddit, for example, um, the idea of having Reddit gold and rewarding people things is a nice cultural thing that they do that, other, that a lot of other places don't do. But it's not really seen as particularly having a cachet for example, you know, there, there, there isn't really a sense of you're a, uh, I feel like I should be involved in this, or I should do this, or that the services that I'm paying for are worth it. And looking at Twitter Blue subscribers, um, someone showed me a Twitter search uh, where you could search for all the people who follow you, or who you follow, who are Twitter Blue subscribers. And I've got like three. Now, we discussed about Mastodon in the last show that my particular clique, uh, my particular tribe have largely divested themselves of Twitter and therefore the place is largely dead to me even if I didn't want it to be because most of the people I give a damn about aren't there anymore. But even uh, even ignoring that, there's I've seen personally very little Twitter blue take up. I don't know whether that's the same for you. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like it based upon this TechCrunch article. If they've got... um. What was it? About 300,000 300, paid accounts? 300,000 paid accounts, yes. And, and I, I can't remember how uh, we looked at, we talked about this a while back, how many Twitter users there are, but there's, I mean, there's tens of millions of Twitter users around the world, right? Like there's, that's a. So what's different though, I think, is Twitter Blue and Reddit Premium and the Snapchat one are really premium services, not verification services. The old Twitter Blue yep. that was free was a verification service. This service from Meta does not seem like a premium service to me. It seems like a verification and identity service, which are really two different things. It's kind of fascinating to me that Twitter Blue went from, here is a free way to verify that the account you're following is whom you think you're following, and we verified that with an identity, to here is someone that has given us $8. Because those are two wildly different things that are almost antithetical in a way, because now you can have Elon Musk in your in your profile name and be verified which but is isn't weird. isn't isn't that um i'm i i've got to admit the uh, the exact timeline of twitter blue is not what not one of my top priorities to remember but i thought twitter blue before musk took over wasn't verified i thought it was just like no you uh, get no the you, um, you, there were there were two the separate new twitter things. blue is verified the, the, right no no there were two separate things so there used to oh. be you got the tick mark which meant that you had been verified as being the account you were and then they had a vestigial paid for service where they would give you features things like being able to edit a tweet that was twitter blue yeah yeah um, that's what but the check mark was then, not yeah. paid yeah absolutely yeah, but then, the check mark was not that's what i'm saying but then yeah. they ca- then they canned the check mark entirely and now you get a check mark for buying Twitter Blue. And they sort of, they want to imply subtly that these people are somehow verified, but all they're verified as is having paid $8. Well, that's what I'm saying. Twitter Blue before before Musk was not a verification service. It was just a bunch of Correct. features that no one wanted to pay for. The new Twitter Blue 
is some level of visual verification. But, but, and- they, but they did also have a verification service independent of their paid-for service, and now, they, it, and now they don't have a verification yeah, service right, at all. Yeah, right, yes. To, I'm just talking about within yeah. the context of a paid service. It wasn't verified yeah. previously. I just wanted to make sure I remember So there was yeah, a verification like, service and then Twitter Blue, which now the checkmark yes. is the same. Very confusing, I yes. grant you. Yeah. And like for Reddit, it's ad-free, and you get the members' lounge, and I think you get some – custom icons or something but yes. it's very much not in any way shape or form a verification service where it seems like what you're paying for with meta is here's a way to verify i am me and if i'm getting impersonated i will get some presumably from the announcement amount of human support or something it's not super clear it's the whole product announcement was one paragraph so like still very much tbd from what i can tell to me, it's interesting. I sat down and had a look through what you get from each of the verified, from each of the uh, paid for services, not verified, right? And as far as I can tell, there are four, possibly five categories of things you get. One of the things you get is extra features of some kind, right? Um, which is fine, right? This is not controversial. You get a service for free, then you start paying for it. You get more stuff. That's why people pay. This is how like commerce works. I get that. Um, you also get fewer ads. Um, and again, an awful lot of people are ad supported until you pay and then they take the ads away. The new vibe seems to be we will take away some of the ads rather than all of the ads. So now you're paying for it and you're the product. Well done. Um, <laughs> the third thing, the, the third thing you get is some kind of a badge which demonstrates that you've paid, which is, you know, fine. It seems a bit crass and blingy to me, but whatever. They give you a little badge. So I'm better than you because I've paid money, but fine. Fourth one is potentially verification which meta are doing and the others aren't the fifth one which uh which i think is much more controversial um and both twitter and meta are doing this is essentially elevated access twitter are promising that you'll get priority ranking in conversations meta are promising you increased visibility in comments and recommendations so this is basically paying so more people get to see your stuff this is payola is what it is yeah it's and it's it's quite controversial and i personally think it's dreadfully wrong the idea that you will be forced down more people's throats because you paid money um Mm. it feels very off to me like i said i mean this is what payola well it's not quite payola because the whole point of payola was that it was secret and that's why there were all cases about it in the 50s but it's it's still the same principle that my issue with the um vote with your dollars on this is that now people with more dollars get more votes which doesn't seem right yeah i agree with you it's isn't the counter argument though in a world where bots and spam have clearly materially impacted the experience if you're coupling that boost with a identity verification what you're saying is we value authentic humans that we have verified are who they say they are over anonymous accounts which i i agree with, has a massive downside and a whole bunch of biases into the system then but i, I believe that would be the counter argument but the, but that your counter argument there did not at all mention money and there's no reason why that needs to include money twitter's old verification system did not cost you money to get into from what i understand from the folks that helped run that it was unbelievably labor intensive and very difficult to no. run and and did not scale now, don't get me wrong. Yep. I, I don't think I'd have a problem with a one-off payment to do it. 
right? If they were to mm. say, if you want to do this, you have to pay one time because they have to do a bunch of extra work to make that happen. And I think it's reasonable to charge for that to defray their costs. So if it was that, like £20 one time, yes. basically covering their costs. But that is not at all the same thing as you will pay us from now until the end of time. And if you stop paying, we take it away. Yep. Oh, no, I would agree with that. I think the idea of... um I actually put a YouTube video out about this a while back. I think the idea of people being able to pay to assure the quality and integrity of conversation is fine with the caveat that there is a pathway to achieving the same thing without paying, right? So to me, what I put out in this little video was there's a bunch of smart people who work at Twitter. And, um, and I think that they'll, there is a way to identify mechanisms where people can I hate the word meritocracy, but where because it it it's not what everybody thinks it is. But we tried that where once. people, yeah, where people can through their actions earn the equivalent of the paid recognition. So one example of this could be something like uh, community notes, right? Like I actually signed up for community notes just because I was curious how it worked, and I think that actually the community notes team would have done a reasonable job there. Um, I think if you're actively playing a role in participating in community notes you should be able to get access to that elevated level of conversation without paying for it because you're investing in the in the community you're investing in the ecosystem but i agree with you stuart when you say like if you if if you just allow people to pay you're basically building a classist society inside yes. a, in, inside of social media and that's wrong you are explicitly saying that money is authenticity and it isn't right and the one thing that i agree with musk on is that is that um a credit card attached to an account is a useful means of combating spam and bots and things like that. But I just feel like right now, this gets to a broad, my broader point here, which is I think the idea of these companies setting up subscriptions is a good thing. The problem I have with it, I, well, but first of all, I think we're at the beginning of like this journey where they're figuring out how to do this. It's, it's mind boggling to me that these companies have got so big and they've just not needed to make money, right? Like, so now like the, the rubber's hitting the road, but I think we're going to see the wild west of them figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And to me, you went through the five different areas act there. To me, they're basically fall down to like additive and, sub, and, and subtractive, right? Like, so for example, with, uh, I, I'm a paying customer with, um, with, uh, YouTube premium, right? And I just looked at it. They got about 20 million, 25 million, paying subscriptions for YouTube premium. And basically, it just gets rid of the ads. And the reason why I took that out is because we didn't want our kids seeing the ads. It wasn't bothering me and Erica quite so much, but it was, you don't want kids being advertised as much. But that's subtractive. It, it removes a piece of the experience, a, a piece that you don't like, but it doesn't feel very satisfying when you pay for ads to be removed. And what feels even less satisfying is paying for some ads to be removed, which as far as I'm concerned is the most asinine fucking stupid concept ever. You, it's, it's, <laughs> the, the sum is a little irritating, yes. Yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just ridiculous. But the problem I have with this is that, and I, and, I, and I think this applies to all of these with some relative exception to Reddit, is the things that, you, by definition, if you're going to charge someone money for something, the thing that you're paying for has to add more value than the amount of money you're paying for it, Right. If you're paying $10 for something, you want to feel like the value that you're getting is worth $10 or more. Otherwise, it's not worthwhile. And the problem is that the, the features that they're adding in here are just not very interesting. Like I, the, we, we railed on this previously. Like the, the Twitter blue, before Musk, the Twitter blue 
was, I think, one of the most pointless products I've ever seen anywhere. Because it was basically, you can pay, what was it, $7 or whatever it was to edit a tweet. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, the the current Twitter blue still isn't value for money. It's a little bit more valuable now than it was. Yeah. But I think they need to figure out genuinely useful stuff. Where Reddit, in my mind, is a bit different than I'll Stop Rambling, is that they've ingrained the idea of reddit gold and reddit coins into the overall experience yeah. so therefore people are more attracted to paying for it mm. and it's cheaper <laughs> it's six dollars yeah. it's not eight dollars or whatever well so so here is um a thing that i came across that i drawn to my attention by bill actually but um i think it dovetails ne- neatly into this discussion so um we've talked in the past about journalism and how it's funded and how it should be done and so on and so forth and the thing which i discovered which surprised me is that in 2011 the new york times introduced a metered paywall and Mm. now in 2020 well in 2022 the digital subscription is 41 percent of their income and advertising has gone down from 50% 50% plus to 26%. So they've transitioned really from an advertising led to a subscription business. Don't, don't forget that classifieds used to be considered advertising. Oh, oh, sure. And they yeah. were the majority of newspapers business and Craigslist almost single-handedly destroyed it. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I thought that was it because I didn't know this is the trend line HQ people put this um, information together and I had no idea it was the case. And I thought that's really interesting that we've talked about, um, things being ad supported now. That's not necessarily a great business model and so on. And at least the New York Times has managed to do it. They're now 26% advertising in digital and print. 41% in the digital subscription. And then the print circulation subscription is 26%, which has been basically constant for the last 20 years. But it's off of such a small base. Sure. But the point here is that they have managed to transition from advertising to subscription business, and it works. Now, obviously, the New York Times and Twitter or Meta are very different businesses, and there's no necessary... um uh, it's not necessarily the case that what applies in one business could apply in another. But if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, is it possible for anyone to make that transition? I'd have said, no, people won't pay for stuff. And yeah, yeah maybe they will. So well, pe- people will pay for quality content. I I don't know. I think some people, some people I, will pay for quality yeah, man, content. Man, yeah. I will. I, they'll, uh, they'll pay for it with a retention. And that's where advertising comes in, right? They'll pay for the retention. I'm not at all sure that people will pay for quality content. Not with, well, if, sorry, I will rephrase that slightly, having seen this NYT I think thing. Bloomberg built an entire billion dollar organization proving that wrong. I think most consumers, not business users, uh, most consumers will not pay enough for quality content to pay for the quality content to be made. Doesn't break even, basically. Yeah. Yeah, is that that's what I'd have said if you'd have asked me this a year and a half ago. But I think maybe I might be wrong, and that's really useful. Um, what's interesting about uh, another difference between the business models here is whether you like or dislike the NYT's reporting, they're at least doing the reporting. Twitter aren't actually generating any of the stuff I'm seeing on right. Twitter. That's, just, it makes it much different. Yeah. They're just holding up a box with it in. So, you know what's interesting <laughs> to me about 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 the about Twitter specifically is because they're behind the curve with a lot of features. Like they don't have long form video yet. They, they only just started introducing like long form tweets and, and things like that. You're literally pitching that they, uh, that they're behind the curve on long form video, just so your prediction is right in December. 
<laughs> and they were so far ahead of the curve with short form video that people don't even remember the name of the TikTok way before TikTok. Yeah, the, right. Both of the TikToks, Vine and Periscope. That's right. Oh, I forgot but about what's Periscope. Inter- <laughs> yeah. What's interesting to me though is that the um, where I think there's two things that spun out of the Musk um, purchase of Twitter that I thought were interesting comments that. I'm hoping they actually move in this direction. I, whether they do or don't, I don't know. I, I forget who it was. There was there was a Twitter space that I stumbled onto one night, and it was run by this guy. I think he's called Theo. He's some like very very active tweeter, and they were talking about unregretted user minutes. So a lot of people who use TikTok have said they'll spend two hours on TikTok. And then they'll feel like, you know, they just ate junk food and they'll feel guilty and a little bit of shame. And I (laughs) I like this notion of unregretted user minutes. It seems like a nice concept, like that if you're going to spend two hours on something that you feel like it was worthwhile, it was good for you in some in in some meaningful way. Now, how you do that and how you track that. This is an impossible metric to measure. (laughs) And that's why that's why that's hang on those numbers. That'd be brilliant. That's why I'm saying, like, to me, it's the North Star, and I think it's a, the, the right North Star. It's not just about user minutes. It's about unregretted user minutes. Okay. But the other thing, one of the things that Musk said that I actually, I strongly agree with, and I think Instagram is actually a good example of this, is that when ads become useful, they become content. Like, I think the problem that people have in many cases is not per se the issue with ads. It's the issue with crappy ads that are irrelevant to them. And and people then there's the side issue that, or the adjacent issue of like tracking and things like that. Well, and I'm putting the tracking piece that, so, to, to one side. Hang on, the the, the 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 reason why I mentioned Instagram is I don't use Instagram very much, right? But the ads on Instagram for me and Erica, my wife, says the same thing. They're 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 pretty good quality. They're always very relevant to our interests. The ads on Twitter, the ads on Facebook, are shite. Like they're just irrelevant and they're just annoying. So. One thing that doesn't seem to be playing much of a role in any of this stuff is creating advertising platforms where you can get the inventory of advertisers, but you get unregretted abuse, essentially, where the ads are very relevant to the customer. You might not go and buy it, but you might be like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm interested in that. That's really a function of the medium, though, right? When you're on Instagram, you're A, less likely to be looking for information as you are probably just messing around because it's all images. So you're in a different frame of mind, but your intentionality is also way higher on Instagram than it is on Twitter. So it's both a better medium and they have better signal, which means they should yeah. produce substantially better revenue from it. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the reasons why um, uh, a friend of mine was telling me this, that uh, YouTube is increasingly becoming the go-to platform for ads. Because to your point, Jeremy, people go to YouTube because they're, they want to be entertained. They want to learn something. They're looking for information. Um, and but their targeting isn't as good on YouTube. Yeah, than I mean, targeting is everything. Places. I don't think people realize that Amazon last year made thirty-eight billion dollars on ads. Which, when you look at it, speaking of the the news industry, that is larger, to my understanding, than the entirety of the global newspaper industry yeah. just on ads. And the thing that's even more wild about it, because the their margin on ads is so high, they basically make as much profit from ads as they do from AWS, which is wild this is people uh promoting listings on amazon.com is that is that what it is is that when you the, say the ads? Promo- yeah well, they, yeah. they have a couple different right. forms of ads there's those ones on the side and then you can boost like your sponsored listing. ones things yeah, like that exactly right 38 billion dollars yeah i mean that's wow loads. i did not know yeah. that that's, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. wild isn't it yeah <laughs> 
it's 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 quite startling. I mean, John, I, th- I think your point is interesting. That sure, some ads can actually be interesting to watch, and you're less bothered about it. But I think a lot of it, putting aside your point about how you're being tracked and they're bad for privacy and they're bad yeah. for performance and they're visually disruptive and so on. Um, leaving aside all of that, it's also that they're shoehorned into your experience in a really irritating way. They're specifically, it gets to the stage where you feel like they're specifically put in there to be annoying so that you'll pay to have them taken away. It's like we're not trying to show you ads in a way that makes you buy the product. We're trying to show you ads in a way that makes you pay to not see the ads. I don't think anyone really thinks that. Um, but, but that is the experience. I also think they built the ad system. Because they bolted the ad system on, they had to make sure that third parties that were using the API showed the ads. And because of that, it's a wildly suboptimal experience. Right, yeah. yeah. Be- because otherwise, literally everyone just builds a third-party client that doesn't show the ads. And then yes. they ne- and Twitter, then no ever looks no at ads website. would be the most popular client. <laughs> yeah. Because that, to me, seems it, – it, to me, it seems like the uh, – you know, like Facebook kind of, I think, broke the ground for the standard for advertising online in, in, in the modern age, right? There was obviously, you know – other companies prior to that everyone's basically copied facebook in varying degrees like linkedin you, you twitter think? oh 100 percent. when you, you go and you, you don't you, think have, google ads broke the ground no, well or are we talk about a different bro- vibe here because the idea of having text ads making ads very definitively separate from the real uh search results i'm talking about but, specifically social media social i mean media, right, okay just just social media platforms right. i agree with you like i mean double click prior to that and then obviously then right, yeah. they, they became google ads 100 percent. but like when you go and advertise like i've ran ads as a test on all of these platforms and they all basically operate in the same kind of way and the the differentiator is the is the is the targeting um but what's to me like there's a lot of opportunity to make ads really relevant and ads that are informed by one people who click on them like right now with ads you can without turning this into whole advertising discussion you can you can have different campaigns for ads like you can have engagement campaigns which are all about like getting likes and comments and whatever else or you can have conversion campaigns which is people going to you know clicking on the link and going to the website because they're interested in the product to me by default the positioning and the showing of these ads should be informed by the the connectivity between the desire for the ad and the ad itself right like if you display an ad one ad to 100 people and they all click on it then it's a great ad because people are interested in whatever it was advertising they felt like it was useful if no one clicks on it then it's just garbage that no one's interested in and it seems like these so to me they need to crack that nut um because then at that point the issue with ads goes away and you can advertisers will like it because then they're not running ads that people hate, you know? So to me, that's something that I just feel like they're not really hitting the mark. None of these networks are hitting the mark on that. Well, I mean, it was, you know? it was interesting. So um, the TechCrunch article you mentioned, there was a line in there, which I kind of went, huh. Um, and, and they said, um, post Apple's rollout of app tracking transparency features in 2021, social networks have seen a massive negative impact on ad revenues. Now, that sentence does not say They've seen a massive negative impact on ad revenues because of Apple's rollout of app tracking transparency, but it strongly implies it. No, it's very clear. The industry has been very clear that ATT's yeah, had massive, yeah. massive impacts. And when Google drops the other shoe, like 
foundational change. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly it has made a big difference. Don't get me wrong, but the implication from that is this is why it happened, and I, I'm not sure it's necessarily been that established. But yeah, so this is uh, at least in part a response to that kind of thing. That ad funded business models are less useful now. There. Especially the body which everyone runs an ad blocker, right? And what's interesting to me as well is um, uh, advertising that is content-based generally works better. Like if you just run an ad saying, go and buy our widget or whatever, those things don't convert very well. Whereas if you put a piece of content out there that's useful and interesting, this is the reason why so many people are advertising on a sponsoring podcast, uh, sponsoring YouTubers. Because people show up to the video because there's a bunch of useful content in there. And then they learn about Raid Shadow Legends for the 50th time. But like, to me, that's the model that these networks should be incentivizing. And to me, this is an important, this is, this is an important thing that we need to crack because the thing that worries me about decimating advertising from the internet is one, that's how the internet is paid for. And two, you're going to kill a ton of tiny little businesses who depend on advertising to sell their products. Like I care less about Oracle. I care about, you know, the the woman who sets up a little business selling things on Etsy or whatever, and she can't get to people because nobody no everyone's got ad blockers or everyone's removed ads. Like well, how is she gonna grow a business? I think I disagree with you so fundamentally that this should be another show and <laughs> yes. that the very low interest rates made free money chase a bunch of influences in a way that was not sustainable or profitable for those organizations. But that, that is legitimately an entire show. So wow. somebody write that down and I am happy to adjudicate that in, in the future. But X, X segue was so smooth that I don't want to ruin it. We did have another <laughs> ad related news item, but there was one thing you said at the beginning act that now has me thinking a little bit, and, and maybe this is another show too, is should there be a site that by design is what Facebook used to be or what was built to be initially, which is to say a place for people that you know in real life to interact without brands and without all the other things that social media has morphed into? Is it time for a site like that? Like, Would it be popular? So should we build Friends Reunited again? Um, uh, I mean, I think it would, the, honestly, <laughs> the one that came the closest for me was probably Google Spaces. Yeah. Because Circles no, uh, just Google, fundamentally Google made sense to me. Google, but, Google, or Google Plus, Google, sorry. Google Plus, yeah. yeah. Um, is it Mastodon basically this, though? Does, does, is there advertising on Mastodon? No. Um, no, but it's think so. not of the style no, that... So, um, right. I believe... Uh, yes, there should be, and no, there won't be. And that's got nothing to do with the content of the website. It's because it's not possible to build this kind of thing without getting involved in the whole, let's move to California and get VC funding thought process, at which point no one will fund you for this. Because there's no way of turning that business into a unicorn, which means it won't happen. Why, why do you say that? Because if you've got a thing where you talk to your friends and that's it, it's never going to make a, and there's no brands and there's no intrusion and there's no ads. No one's going to pay $10 billion for it. No, but my point, my point is, is that 98% of businesses, this is obviously not a data driven fact. This is an observation, <laughs> I guess. Hyper, hyperbole <laughs> is the magic word you're looking for. I like that you included an exact percentage and then said, this is not a This is not effect. true. <laughs> but I'm guessing, right, 98% of businesses on the planet overall yep. don't have any VC funding. Yes. 
but their right. their business market is not the whole world, which is what they take. If what you want is something which sure, the which lots works, of them are the whole world. Uh, my point is, is that the 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 trick there is it's got nothing to do with VC funding. That's got everything to do with can you create a business model. Because even if you take VC funding, you still at some point need to have a business model. <laughs> it might be deferred down the line. I, I'm, bad. I'm not, not sure I agree with you on that. I, I think Twitter might disagree with you on that. <laughs> you 100% need to have a business model. It's just that with the, 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 the downside, and this is the thing that's horrible about Silicon Valley, is the timelines are so, you know, so, you know, um, drawn out and it becomes ridiculous. But at the end of the day, I think people like Twitter are kind of the edge cases. At some point, a business has to break even. It might be two or three years down the line once they've built the team out and they've got the product market fit and all that shit. My point is, is that- Twitter was founded in 2006 a- and they don't have anything that resembles a business model. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think they're the, I don't think they're the, 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 the standard of most businesses. I think most businesses have to be able to make a profit within, a, within at least two or three years. Otherwise, they go under. You know, I don't think- most businesses are Twitter by any stretch of the imagination. That's what makes Twitter so interesting as an observer. Most right? VC-founded businesses most certainly do not turn a profit in the first two or three years. Yeah, and they fail. I mean, eight out of ten companies fail that have yep. venture back. Well, that is the model. Right? Yep. Right, yeah. exactly. Right. They're, 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 they're backing the big ones, right? My point here is not about VC. It's just, to me the VC investment is there to build a team and build a bigger product. But I, I'm, I'm just saying, I suspect that if there, is a, if there is a way to, I wouldn't want VC money to be an excuse for the fact that a business model doesn't exist for this mythical social media platform. I suspect that you're right, Act, that it's, it, it wouldn't work because you need those brands, ads or whatever else, or you need subscribers. That's basically the two and things. And no one will pay for that, realistically. And no one will pay for that. But I don't think that's got anything to do with investment, right? Yeah. That, to me, is the thing. that I believe you could make that and break even at it, but I don't think you could get it off the ground by just building it in your bedroom. You, you need, like, the Wikipedia, Wikimedia model... For this to work, yeah, you need you need some kind of investment to get it going, and no one will invest in you if you say, "Yeah, we'll make enough, we'll, we'll break even." Which is what John just said: in the first two to three years, we'll break even. Can we have some investment now? Everyone will go, "No, I want to give you a dollar now and get back a hundred dollars ten years from now." Where's the hockey stick in your graph? And you go, "There is no hockey stick," and then you don't get a check, right? <laughs> no, but my point, my point, my point is, is that what what, what this mythical you know, not brand book, right? Yeah. <laughs> the what what will make that succeed or fail is one, if they get traction from people, mm. and two, if they can build a sustainable business around it, even if they're not necessarily a business, even if they're intended to be like a a, a not for profit or whatever, Collective. so they can cover their costs. Uh, yeah, so they can cover their costs. But at the end of the day, to me, to achieve both of those points, they've got to do something new. And the problem with social media is everyone's basically replicating something that somebody else has done. To me, I mean. And this, uh, this obviously depends, um, right now on the kind of clique, the kind of tribe you want to be part of. But for me, that's exactly what Mastodon is. Exactly. Right, exactly. But, but it isn't for everybody. I can't think of a reason, a technology reason why it can't be for everyone. But it is, I mean, like, so Google Plus, I thought was very good, but I don't necessarily think that it was technologically much superior to everybody else. It just happened to catch on among the sort of people I like hanging out with. 
No, I, I think they foundationally took a different approach in that they acknowledge that in your life you have friend circles, and not even friend circles, but a business circle and sets of business circles. You are not sure. one yeah. person. You are much different in your different spheres. And they didn't only acknowledge that, they built it into the platform at a, a fundamental level, which no one has done before or since, to my knowledge. So, well, but I think, I think that was actually the source of its failure, was the circles. Well, so I, we, so, okay. I, so, I think who, they exposed that poorly, another show. but I, I, I personally liked it. Anyway, uh, getting, getting back to the, yeah. the, the future of the advertising uh, industry, the, <laughs> did you know that the FBI now recommends using an ad blocker when searching the web, so they're, they're cutting edge here, uh, but it says a law enforcement agency warns that scam ads designed to steal your banking accounts are appearing atop search results now, and they did an actual public service announcement in the U.S. about this. So do we think this will have any additional impact on, on advertising? So I haven't, I haven't seen this until you mentioned it just before we started recording. Are they are – they, I've never used an ad blocker, right? So it, is there a means with an ad blocker to differentiate between like legit ads – and scammy ads are they basically saying you should remove all ads or you should use a specific kind of ad blocker that gets rid of scammy ads are, are you taking the piss or you legitimately don't use an ad blocker no i've never used an ad blocker i am quite genuinely astounded by this <laughs> fact. and i'll tell you why i first of all ads don't bother me i just don't look at them and secondly i've actually bought a lot of shit from ads that i found to be really useful um like I say, some ads for me, are, 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 I don't know whether I'm just getting better ads, but um, there are case, there are sites that I won't go to because of the ads. Like, for example, I will not go to Forbes uh, and read anything, uh, Forbes Online, because it's just- Because your whole it's... full screen pop-up, wait for the thing to go through. Yeah. I mean, I don't go to Forbes either, but that's because I can't, because I go there, because you want to get ad blocker, no content for you, get lost. Right. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's an incomprehensibly bad experience on, 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 on Forbes, which is a shame. But like, yeah, I don't, I've, you know, I don't use an app blocker. Well, so but anyway, yes, you can, the, the, the popular ones you can customize very, very yes. granularly and they have their own like DSL basically and they're super customizable, yes. especially if you use Origin, which is I think what most people tend to use. I don't know what you use, Zach, but. Or tell me you also don't use an ad blocker. Uh, no, I, um, uh, my primary one is Privacy Badger, actually. Oh, okay. From the FF. Um, so I wrote a thing in 2016 that I've just looked up. Um, and man, I was right seven years ago. Um, so I, I, I enumerated reasons why people don't like ads <laughs> because you've got a lot of people saying, um, we, I don't want to see ads when I look at websites. Uh, I don't want to see them in applications, whatever, but. There were people saying that for a bunch of different reasons, and I thought it was useful to enumerate those reasons because you can say people who don't want it for this reason may have a point. People who don't want it for this reason may have less of a point, so on and so forth. Um, okay. And this and this ties into the sort of thing you're saying. And I'd be interesting. I'd be interested in knowing which of these, if any, are behind the Phoebe's reason for saying this. So the reasons I enumerated were ads are bad for privacy. So this is the point John I made earlier about how. Um, I don't mind seeing stuff that I want to buy, but I resent being tracked around from site to site and someone building up a detailed picture of everything I look at on the internet. Um, Speaking as the guy who has just published Learn Privacy on Web.dev, which you should go and read because it's great. Yeah, congrats, by the way. That's cool. Web.dev slash learn slash privacy, which is literally all about this, although it's not about it for people viewing sites. It's about people building sites. So if you're building a website, 
go and read it and then do everything I say in it and it will make Make sure you stick it in the show notes. Oh, I should do that, yes. Um, so ads are bad for privacy. One reason why people dislike them. Second thing, ads are bad for performance, which is where I want to go and look at a website and it's, it takes 55 seconds to download and drop in all of the adverts and it uses 30 times as much bandwidth and downloads is downloads 10 and a half megs of stuff where what, is that really an issue today though it, uh, yeah dude loads. that was definitely an issue <laughs> years ago but like i don't know it's it's i've never i've never noticed a website load that's got a bunch of ads obviously i'm not using an ad blog i've never noticed a website load in any noticeable way slowly oh okay. i mean this performance if they haven't implemented it correctly and you aren't using async javascript and a whole bunch yeah. of other things the experience is hot garbage but what i'm yes. saying is that for most people are they gonna even notice yes um, if you were to have the same, if you were to have an, a website with a bunch of ads on it and a website without, it will obviously be quicker without the ads. I'm not denying that for a moment. But my question is, is it going to meaningfully impact the experience for so, most people? So there was a point at which um, a page on The Verge, so Les Orchard did this, um, uh, there was a page on The Verge which had um, an article on it, so 50K of HTML, nice, relatively simple article, loaded 10 megabytes of ads and took 30 seconds <laughs> to download, right? Um, and it also materially uh, impacts your battery if you're on a laptop. Yes. Or, 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 yeah, that, or on a phone, yeah. in fact. So that was or a yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, yeah. so when you're, da- when you've got a page where, and this is not a made up statistic, like John, this is a real thing where 99% of the download is the ads and 1% is the actual thing you went there to see. The tail is wagging not only that dog, but oh, yeah. 98 other dogs at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and the other angle to performance as well, maybe you cover this in your list, is is when it's getting in the way of something you want, like a YouTube ad, for example. Right. So, yeah, like, uh, well, different type of performance. D- d- right? d- different kind of thing. That um, I'll take your point, but yeah. So the third one is that ads are visually disruptive. So this is where you get ads which are super duper flashy or um, when you're reading something and suddenly the thing you're reading jumps halfway down the page because the ad loaded in but 25 seconds after the rest of the page did or whatever. And it screws up the scroll position, that kind of thing. That's just. Does that include people driving around in Belen's, driving around in rented Lamborghinis, trying to <laughs> make out that they're gurus? I mean, <laughs> I want to punch all of those people on the yeah. through the internet. Um, there's a small category of ads which are actually flat out malware. Now, no one wants yep. this. This is, you yes. know, um, someone, someone managing to smuggle, um, some kind of exploit into an ad, which is then pushed down to people, or it's mining Monero on your machine or something like that. I don't know. That sort of thing's viable anymore. Um, but then you've also got a class of people like, I shouldn't have to see ads because I don't want to. And you say, yep. oh, cool. So are you, are you using micropayments or are you paying for the content? They're like, no, no, I should just get it all for free and that's it. Um, so the, yeah. I don't want to make this. I, I, and then I, the internet I, went away. Yeah. We I, should talk about this when we do our advertising yes, show. Yes, this yes. is really interesting. Put, put in the um, show, put in the show notes. Um, we need to do a show on advertising, but what? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to, I put that in and I'm also going to put underneath this review acts fucking crusty ancient article <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um, I've all, I've, the one prediction in bad voltage that may actually have come I, true I, I, I've, I've already written in there we need a whole show on like why google plus was good but I, what, <laughs> what, I, what i mean i mean it's gonna be a bunch of gray bits 
sitting around going, oh, well, our large social networks were loads better. <laughs> but nonetheless. Um, but to me, what's interesting about this FBI thing is what's their motivation behind this? Because I don't believe they're saying, yeah, man, you should be able to watch all the videos you like and not have to pay. That doesn't seem like a very feeb kind of attitude. So what's their yeah. pitch? Is it safety? Scams, um, it, yeah. So, so it's, the, the the FBI in the U.S. is advising people to use ad blockers as part of a warning about the threat of scams online. The security agency's Internet Complaints Department says ad blocking extensions can help to protect users against fraudulent ad line ads that appear in search results. Uh, and there's also like a people are using it for crypto scams. But they're not talking about malware here. They're talking about a perfectly legitimate ad for a scabby thing. One of the one they gave was like a po- it was a popular bank and it looked like a bank login and people were clicking on it and putting in their bank details. Right. Was, was yeah. like one of the ones they called out. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So, so, Which is fair enough. So the, By the way, you know a place you don't want to work? The FBI's Internet Complaints Department. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Absolutely That's not. That's not a fun job. Hon- honestly, not. when you said earlier about, what did you call it? Unregretted minutes. And I'm saying, Unregretted user minutes. Unregretted yeah. user minutes. So I'm sitting there thinking, wow, who would score lowest on that score? My thought was maybe Jira, but now I think it's the FBI Internet Complaints Department. Can <laughs> 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 someone go, how many unregretted minutes do you have in your life? And the guy at the top's like, oh, is it a negative number possible? I regret it enough for two other guys as well as me. <laughs> Bad Voltage community, let us know in the in the community where you have spent the most unregretted user minutes and the most regretted, regretted user, user minutes. minutes. Oh, your, it, yeah. Speaking of which, the Slack link on the website works now. I fixed it. Yay! So, so people, 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 people saying it didn't work because it linked to a Heroku app and Heroku killed it. <laughs> they are correct, and I believe I've now updated it. But if you run into any more links, then do let me know. Excellent. I appreciate we went fairly long on those two. Did did either of you have any any news? Well, in the community, also follow us on Mastodon. You can now, because I set it up. We are badvoltage at mastodon.social. So you can go there as well if you want to tell us where you spent your most regretted user minutes. And the answer can't be Mr. Lucky's in Walnut Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I suspect the leader will be listening to Bad Voltage, but we'll, we'll see what it looks like. <laughs> Good work. Good work, Chief Ancient Bite Mark <laughs> VM Hosting Officer, uh, on setting these things up. <laughs> Much appreciated. Um, Yes. Should we uh, squeeze in a little bit of news before we wrap yes. up? Yes. Yes. Do you think? This I thought was an interesting one. It's apparently, Salesforce have been paying Matthew McConaughey, the actor, ten million dollars a year to act as a creative advisor. Um, yet, you know, last month they laid off eight thousand employees. Now, I saw this linked on Business Insider, which is um, known for the hysteria. Um, but you know. It's 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 a fair point, you know. Apparently, like he's doing some acting for Salesforce, and he, I don't know what the hell a creative advisor really means. I'm guessing he gets on the call with you know with their leadership team every so often, but it does seem it's not a good look, is it? I mean, it seems in it seems very in, in poor taste to to, to lay off eight thousand employees and still have Matthew McConaughey on tap. You know, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, ten million dollars. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just imagine being someone who they've just laid off. I mean, you know, hands up if you know someone who worked at Salesforce and no longer works at Salesforce, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half, half uh, you know, all of us, half the people listening to this would probably go, yeah, that's terrible. And they're like, oh, yeah, because we need to save loads of money because of the downturn and so on. I mean, we could do a whole show on layoffs and how I think that an awful lot of it feels almost like 
following a trend. Did you see the Nintendo it is. thing? Yeah. So, um, hang on. No, I didn't see the Nintendo. What, so, what happened? So the, the, the point about following a trend is, yeah, everyone's going, oh, yeah, no, we need to lay people off because there's a market downturn and so on. But, um, it does feel very like loads of other people are doing layoffs, so we ought to do them too. What Nintendo did was they said, yeah, yeah, there's a problem here. So, um, what's most important to us is employee loyalty. So they gave everyone a pay rise and didn't lay anybody off. Really? Yes. Right, and that's Nintendo. Wow. This is not some little um, local ice cream shop where you expect them to be nice to people. Yeah. This is a gargantuan yeah. multinational corporation, and and they said no, this is the wrong thing to do. And I thought, wow, well done, because that's seeing someone lead like that from the front. That's how it ought to work, right? Any company that's in, in my mind, again, no data, but any company that's saying that they are uh, purely laying people off because of the economy. Is full of shit. Like yeah. everybody, all of these big companies, they're all cleaning house. There's no doubt. Yes. Like there's no doubt. And 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 I get why it's it's hard to let go of people, especially in places like California. Um, and I can understand why if you've got underperforming staff, why people think that, that why companies are seeing that as an opportunity to do so. But be upfront about it is is my kind of well, taking it. But to me, you know, right, if um if you're a company who you um, overhired or whatever, and now you have to lay people off because you mispredicted the market. Why aren't you the one getting fired, CEO? Or also on probably ten million a year. Like that's literally your only job. You had one job, and if you're laying off eleven thousand people, you've screwed that one job up. Where's your layoff? Well, I yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't, I think I don't want to be all the people's flag is deepest red about this, but for God's <laughs> sake, right? When when does the payback come for screwing up? I don't think it's that simple, but I think your point of like accountability for executives, yeah, is very important. There is right, none. like right. Well, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true at all. There is definitely accountable accountability for executives because, but it varies from company to company, it right? Does. But you know, to me, the thing that's interesting about the Matthew McConaughey thing is like, I can see how somebody could say, hang on, these are two separate things, right? Matthew McConaughey is probably worth $10 million. Like he's the only Matthew, Matthew McConaughey who's that guy, right? And he adds a certain set of value. And that's disconnected to the 8,000 employees being laid off. But the optics of it yeah. are fucking horrendous. <laughs> I mean, so, so Salesforce do their so, you know, yearly conference thing and they've had, you know, Tim Cook go and speak there and Barack Obama and stuff like that. And you can see there's some value. And Emilia Clark. And I, I mean, I, 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 I stand back to no one in my admiration for the mother of dragons, but I'm not sure how it helps you in <laughs> Salesforce, right? <laughs> Particularly. This stuff always, yeah, I, it always kind of blows my mind that this stuff works. Like if you're like if you're a, if you're serious about does it work though? I don't even know if it does work. It, it's I mean, utterly it, it, unquantifiable. It, it, the fact that all of these celebrities are paraded by these companies, right? And I'm not talking about like having a cool band come and play at the end of an event because that's like a reward at the end of a big event or whatever. I'm talking about like this Matthew Carney type example or the Barack Obama example. It must work in some meaningful way, otherwise they wouldn't do it. I, I I I dispute that. No, that's absolutely not how corporate things work. A lot of times, my take on it, it is, is someone at someone at the organization really liked that person, has the authority to hire that person, and yeah. then hires that person. Sometimes it really is that simple. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you can do that maybe once. But at some point, if you're doing it over and over again, there's got to be a return on the investment. 
especially if you're spending $10 million on something. Firstly, I disagree with you because there's no accountability for executives. But secondly, and more importantly, right, sure. um, I, th- I think that <laughs> it's not so much that um, you have to prove that it works. It's that you ha- you are unable to prove, other people are unable to prove that it didn't work. And people feel like it ought to work. So you keep trying it and no one can say, you did this last year or the year before, and we got nothing in sales from it. So but the argument we're not would be: What is the accretive again? value of the association of that person? Which, right. to X yeah. point, well, you is, know not, we, is not quantifiable. And you the, know what we're getting dangerously close to here, which is another topic for a show: is it's the difference between brand marketing and, and digital marketing, right? Like with digital marketing, you can track clicks and whatever else. With brand marketing, you stick a billboard up in San Francisco. Did it make a difference? It's the same kind of thing. Like, did it make yeah. a difference? This is, this I, is, I think there's a, yes, this it's is, a fair point. This is yeah. like how, um, if you look at company valuations, this is exactly the same thing. What's your company actually worth in terms of stuff it owns? Hardly anything. But what's the brand value or the concept value of it? Loads. And the, again, it's unquantifiable. But people's whole job is deciding on this stuff. And I mean, we're in danger of dismissing the entire marketing and advertising industry. But on the other hand, you know, shoe fits. But... None <laughs> um, it, it is a hard thing to work out. And so it's difficult. If someone at Salesforce says, well, we're going to spend 10 million on this, we think it's going to um, materially elevate our brand in some people's eyes and the kind of feedback this very creative guy can give to us about creative stuff, which we couldn't do without that, prove to me that it didn't get us the bottom line. That's really hard to do. So at that yeah. point, it's down to the people at the top. And the people at the top, it's not their money. So they're like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, I just I just wish that they'd – I think the right thing to do there would have been to end the thing with Matthew McConaughey in the yeah. context of the layoffs. Still still run the Super Bowl ad. You've still got to advertise. You've still got to run your business. Nothing against that, but it just um, – didn't sit right with me. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, did you see about um, – Last pass being hacked. I did. So, yeah. In fact, the, the I was, update is wild. But you so, should explain it for those listeners who may not have uh, so seen the, it. Yeah. The thing I thought that was interesting about this is allegedly, and a lot of this is um, kind of unsourced quotes who um, commented on the condition or that they'd remain anonymous and so on. But apparently, the way this happened is that a senior developer um, had their home network penetrated um and then they stolen an an und- uh, a decrypted password vault which had a bunch of passwords for um last pass resources in in aws um but the way their home network was penetrated was via plex on their home network the media thing and i sat there and i thought oh blimey because like loads of people at home have probably got things which they haven't necessarily locked down as securely as you might do at work, but you're still also going home with a laptop, which is probably also not necessarily secured from everything on its network. I'm sure there are a bunch of security people saying, wow, if, um, you know, if you're running a security product, you shouldn't ever be connecting a laptop with any decrypted stuff on it to any network, which also contains services which listen to the outside. You're like, sure. Yeah. That's the way it's meant to work. But in practice, I'm sure loads of companies would be vulnerable to this if they're going to be targeted. And this was obviously more than spearfishing, direct targeting of senior executives. If you believe what was posted in one place, only one of four people had access to this vault. 
Yeah. And that person was very specifically targeted when they found out he was they were running a, a public instance of Plex. And then they logged in. They installed the key logger via the Plex vulnerability. Yeah. And then when he logged in from his home non-corporate device, that's when they pinched the password. Most modern organizations do not allow you to log into things like that from a non-corporate device. If it doesn't have the MDM or the security, whatever they happen to use, you yeah. can't log in. So, so I have a question for for you guys about this because um, I was starting to look into uh, into into the article that you put into the show notes, Zach, and uh, and uh, I saw that LastPass. I actually saw in LastPass that they put out a security incident update today. Yep. Um, have you seen that? Like, is it, I'm presuming this is relate. This is referring to that incident because they in their incident update, unless I missed it, they didn't say anything about um a decrypted password archive being no, no they, unless i missed it uh, as far as i'm aware i mean jeremy you probably more in touch with this than me but as i understand the articles it, from like three days ago or whatever so that's the last last pass haven't necessarily said how this happened just that it happened all the stuff about how it happened appears to be some compilation of leaks and comments to journalist stuff i think jeremy but, but correct me here but what they what they what they put in the incident report was the impact of the breach like yeah they talk they, they, they're talking about we were breached not how we were breached and therefore and um, what it means that we were breached for you the customers i mean which i suppose is reasonable it, do, it did seem a bit like they were soft peddling this a bit but no no the the new update but, does but include now, much more specifics to be clear but yeah, yeah, so, so it's yeah, like so one of the lines is specifically yes. the threat actor was able to leverage valid credentials stolen from a senior ah. devops engineer to access a shared cloud storage environment which initially made it difficult for investigators to differentiate between threat actor activity and ongoing legitimate activity. Okay, I, that's I was, I was, I I was impressed that. with their post today. Yeah they, yeah, they they go into a reasonable level of detail. That's good. And they clearly have... Yeah. So we talked a while back about um, GitLab doing post-mortems on uh, issues, uh, on an issue that went wrong. And one of the things that we really praised them for and said more people should do was be more transparent and explain what the problem was. And... I certainly saw people accusing LastPass of soft peddling this um, a couple of days ago, but that seems to have changed. Now, whether they've decided to change their policy on this or whether they were always going to do this and just were still writing it up, don't know, but that's encouraging then. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, no, that was very good. I know we're almost out of time. Do we have anything else? On, we... on that bombshell. Do we want anything else you want to squeeze in before we wrap up, or do you want to? I have a very tidy thing, which is not actually news. Yeah, you do. <laughs> what Sorry. are you nine? Oh, wow. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist your tiny thing. Very, 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 very tiny thing that I have. Um, Reddit does comment search. Did you know this? For years, you yeah, couldn't. You, you couldn't for search, years, right? Yeah, well, for, does for, has for a year. For years, you couldn't search Reddit comments, and it was really annoying. And there was a third party site which sort of did it, but it was terrible, and so on. What? And then, Are you sure? Yeah, and then I was looking. So you could search the posts, but you couldn't find good comment stuff. Um, and then um, I, I I saw I saw that they'd released a feature this week, which is about searching the comments on this post. And I don't understand why that's useful because that's what Control F does. But whatever, finding page that is, is right what there. Control F does. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless and and i went oh well okay when are they gonna make it so you can search all the comments and it was it's there and it has been for ages so it's if there's anyone else in the world who wanted this and didn't know like i didn't know then now you know so there you go <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing we should say is we should thank marius after having 
had a pop at him before we started recording. <laughs> we didn't really have a pop at him, I promise. But yes. Um, uh, so this is uh, Marius Quabeck, who is um, our audio engineer genius and Ooh. makes our mellifluous tones sound considerably more mellifluous. So thank you very much, Marius. We appreciate it. Look but, at all of these long words that he's using, I know. Jeremy. Go to nerdzoom.media if you need any audio stuff done because he's great and he's really helpful and we very much appreciate it. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Yes, well, uh, thank you, Marius. We, 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 we love and appreciate you, as we do all of you for listening and checking out the Bad Voltage. Go and join our community. Uh, go and join the Mastodon. Yep. Anything else they should join? <laughs> well, uh, so they, that they seems Slack, sufficient. Slack, Mastodon, we're technically mm-hmm. on Twitter, but <laughs> yeah, don't know how much feedback we're getting there anymore, but, you know, we shall see how it is. If there's anything, yep. if anyone else you think we should be, let me know. And like two years from now, maybe I'll do something about it. <laughs> you, you know, it, there's only one place where we're not that we should be, and that is obviously OnlyFans. Oh, I thought it was going to be TikTok. It, well, what would we gonna, do on OnlyFans? No. Uh, that's enough. I don't really <laughs> want to hear the rest of that. I, you know what? We should start an OnlyFans account where we just basically lecture people about <laughs> open source. Man. It's like it's, I, I read somewhere that there's a – or maybe one of you two told me this, that there's a guy who um, is on Pornhub and he just does maths lessons. What? <laughs> there's no sex. He just does maths lessons on Pornhub. I, I've never looked it up. I did not I tell you that. this. That's, this is real? I, I'm not sure I believe that. Um, that that's so, what I heard. So, I've not, I've not so, investigated Someone who isn't us looked that up and said this a link. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. So, All right. thank you very much, chaps. Later. Good seeing you guys. Peace out, everyone. See you later. Recording. 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 And I turned my gain down slightly because Mario said I was... Little clippy last time, so hopefully this. Oh, that's a beautiful looking waveform. We're good. There we go. Although I do think we might need to call him Mario's now. <laughs> Marius, sorry. It's a me. It's a me. Marius. It's, it's me, and it's me, and it's me, and it's me. Mario's. <laughs> oh, shit. This is being recorded. He's going to shout at me now. He's going to get mad at us about this. It is. All right. <clears throat> I'm calling the show It's Me, Mario's. <laughs> <laughs> love the show titles where there's no context in the actual portion of the show just random ramblings before you start <laughs> like 180 episodes or whatever of an insight into the mind of language <laughs> <laughs> and there's the yeah, show you're a, title you're just a fucking audio art exhibition at this point <laughs> <laughs>